don't freeze. I never freeze. The revolution will not be televised. Show me my respect. And bow down. We own ya. We own ya. We only get started now. Cause we own ya. Everybody think they know me now. Cause we own ya. You and I'm a homie. Cause we own ya. I waited my entire life for this. The world's gonna start over. I'ma burn it all. What happens now determines what happens to the rest of the world. You will not be able to stay home, brother. You will not be able to plug in, turn on, and cop out. What kind of forever? The revolution will not be televised. Let's have some fun. Jumbo podcast listeners, uh, this is your boy Jordan Smith. I'm back here again, but this time I'm joined with my brother and brother. That's right, with the hard R, because uh, he is my blood related brother. It's Eli Smith. <laughs> and the How's crowd it? goes crazy. <laughs> <laughs> How's it going, brother? Pretty good, you know, just um, chillaxing on this wonderful Monday evening. Awesome, awesome. <laughs> yes, we are recording this on Monday, President's Day, and it was a big, big weekend for Black America because a certain Black Panther movie finally hit theaters. Uh, we've been waiting on this for years and years and years. <laughs> and years. Uh, yes, uh, but let's let's just dive right into it. We're talking about P- Black Panther. Um, spoiler alert, heavy spoilers. So if you haven't seen this movie, please know we're not talking about the Black Panther that was in Civil War. We're talking about his own standalone feature film uh, directed by my boy Ryan Coogler. So if you haven't seen it, stop right here, go see it, and then come back, and we'll have all the good content for you. But uh, Eli, give me like your your tweet length one sentence review of the Black Panther movie. Um, oof. well, they did recently change the character count, um, so <laughs> I might have to use all of them for that. Um, uh, if I could just squeeze it, I would just say amazing. But overall, just in all of the technicalities, all of the aesthetics, um, just a must see, a must see of our whole generation. Just a, definitely a whole movement of a movie, and all in all. Yeah, I think what struck me most was not so much like the the film itself, but more what seeing everything on screen meant um, to me as a viewer, rather than just. I mean, the story and everything that they were trying to say was really awesome and cool, but. I thought the the best parts were really just when you had like the the shots of like the animals running across the African landscape and just the beautiful scenery that we got to see. And I know the majority of this was filmed in Atlanta, but I'm pretty positive that's real life 
African footage uh, from the actual continent, uh, which was really great to see. Um, what was your what was your favorite scene in the movie? I know it's hard to narrow it down, uh, but give me a top scene if you can. Man, um, honestly, I would have to say the final scene because you've seen um, just the morality of the Black Panther to not necessarily kill his opponent that was trying to kill him the whole movie and seeing that he was his brother. And I just think for a whole community of African-Americans, we need to look at that as like a calling moment. And just to, I mean, put your arm around somebody, even if they have in the past, you know, done you wrong or anything like that is just amazing to see. And also the aftertone or the undertone of what he said after the effect of him dying, he said like, oh, I'd rather be, or I'd rather die in the ocean than be bondage or something or another. It was just very incredible to see. Yeah, definitely. That scene gave you the, like, you got to see, of course, beautiful Wakandan sunsets again, like um, Sterling K. Brown's character was talking about earlier. Um, but it gave one of, like, the best lines in the entire movie where uh, Killmonger was like, I would rather, or bury me in the ocean with my ancestors because they knew that dying was better than living a life of bondage. Um uh, that's a paraphrase. I can't remember the exact quote either, but yeah, very true. Um, not to like draw some wild and extreme parallels, but I definitely think there was a little bit hints of, um, of Dr. King there in that moment for Chadwick Boseman's character, because he, he was showing compassion, you know, he was showing sympathy for somebody that was trying to take him down. And that's, literally the entire mantra in life of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. was that sure plenty of people were trying to tear him down but I think if it came down to it at the end of the day he probably would have wrapped his arm around his opponent as well and showed love and compassion rather than disdain and letting him bleed out basically right right um, I would have to say my favorite scene in the movie. This is tough too. I, I think I'm a I'm a really big fan of the casino scene because um oh man, I don't want to get her name wrong. Uh but when they were hang on, give me one second. But when they were um after they started fighting, uh, mm-hmm. it basically turned into a brawl. Uh, because they're at this Korean casino in ba- Basan, Basun, something like that. Yeah. Um, but Denai Guerrera, her character, Koye, she literally snatches off her wig and starts busting some asses <laughs> with her spear. And then there's the part where, like, she's still wearing this red flowing dress, and then she, like, throws a guy through the railing, and she just, like, moves literally like a jungle cat herself down to continue the fighting and i just like oh shit like let's go (laughs) i was pumped at that part right i think that whole scene like in its entirety was definitely one of the best just all action-packed all kind of just great great visualization great graphic effects all around just amazing yeah and it it gave us like a a good insight into 
Andy Circus again, who was just having like a super good time with his character. Like he was talking about the uh, the mixtape and the SoundCloud link, and I, I thought like that was just really funny. It was kind of a campy performance by Andy Circus, but he was you could just tell he was just having a shit ton of fun with that. Um, right, I agree. But moving on from favorite scene, let's talk about like what it means to see a headlining black superhero as a whole. So part of the reason I want to mention this at the top of the podcast, but it totally skipped my mind. Um, Definitely had to have you on the podcast for one really specific reason. And it's because this is like the 18th movie, I believe in the entire Marvel cinematic universe. And it all kicked off with Iron Man back in 2008 so 10 years ago and i remember we went to go see that movie in theaters and i I don't know how i don't remember how you felt about it but i was blown away like literally at the end when rdj is just like i am iron man i I think we were just like whoa like that was just a great moment so coming all this time 10 years later nearly 20 movies later we finally get a headlining black superhero what does that mean? Um, that means a lot, a lot to us as a whole, um, a lot to not only us, but to our youth. Because if you think about it, we were kids seeing Iron Man. I mean, we couldn't really put ourselves in that position, but we could yet see ourselves progressing just because it's a good um, example of what we can feed off of. But now people are actually seeing themselves within a character, and that can change a lot of attitudes, a lot of minds, a lot of uh, uh optimistic predicaments that people can find themselves in so i think definitely definitely changes a lot yeah i think it's fantastic i mean you had like the whole the videos of like these kids in elementary schools like dancing and really getting it because they knew they were about to see something special like black panther and I said this last year about Wonder Woman, uh, when Wonder Woman was coming out, uh, because that was one of the first, or at least in modern times now, female leading uh, superhero movie. And I'm just like, you know what? There are going to be a lot of girls dressing up as Wonder Woman for Halloween. Now, I didn't go trick-or-treating with little kids, so I can't (laughs) confirm or deny that, but I bet you there was. And I bet you this Halloween, too, there are going to be tons of little black boys, little African-American boys. And I bet you some white folks too, who are going to be dressing up as T'Challa or if we're lucky, we'll get a King or Killmonger costume, (laughs) (laughs) which might be dope. Uh, Dreadlocks not included, but I think it's great. Um, I think it's awesome that we actually get this sort of film and it proves because black Panthers now the, fifth largest opening weekend of all time and that's not even counting today with president's day where most people had the day off and it's it's really showing people like hey there are a there is a large audience for a black led movie with a predominantly black cast not necessarily a lead actor who just is black in the role like your typical like denzel or will smith type of role this is specifically and purposefully supposed to have just black characters across the board. 
Mm-hmm. And not only black characters, a black organization. They didn't have mm-hmm. one person of any other ethnicity really in their whole organization in all of Wakanda. So that was another thing too. Yeah, exactly. You could tell. Um, I don't know if you stayed all the way to the end credits part, mm-hmm. but okay, you did. Yeah. So they, um, with uh, Sebastian Stan's character, uh, the Winter Soldier, he's. I guess not brainwashed anymore. Uh, my my girl Shuri can handle that. She knows. Uh, but they the little kids were referring to him as a white wolf. And based on the comics, it's not necessarily Bucky Barnes. It's somebody else who's known as the white wolf. But he's basically referred to as that because he's like the only white person in Wakanda or in T'Challa's like stories that he has within the country itself. So I just thought... You know, it's, it's pretty telling and it's cool to see it kind of the dichotomy flipped on its head because usually it's there's like a token black guy. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Um, but that that brings me to my next point, too, is that so you can you've been seeing a lot on social media about how, you know, and it's not it's coming from white people and black people, too, that I've seen it like who are trying to make this bold point about like, well, what about the other black superheroes? Weren't you guys watching Spawn or Blade or Hancock or something like that? How do you say or how do you respond to people that are like, wasn't wasn't that specific movie enough? But OK, I, I would say to them, do you see each movie, how they start off? as the evil person <laughs> they always start as some they have a moral flaw or something hancock was a, a drunk uh True. spawn killed some people True. spawn went to hell <laughs> spawn went to hell correct my language um and then who else was that blade blade was blade. a vampire that killed other vampires so i mean <laughs> what do we have there i mean that's not really a superhero that's a guy that has to do his moral job <laughs> yeah like, i mean it's just it's just we never really had a superhero that had morals and was a leader and didn't kill. Like, I'm surprised he didn't kill Killmonger at the end, but thank God he didn't. He had his cool wits about him, but it's just, it's crazy how I see those comments like, oh, blah, blah, blah. But do you remember Blade? Do you remember those? Yeah, I'll I'll give those props because they were good movies. They were great superheroes at the time, but they, they, I mean, as you can see, they weren't as progressive as this one. That we're not we're not having the same conversation. They didn't have podcasts back then talking about Blade, talking about Hancock, talking about you know there wasn't endless amount of support, endless amount of social media have you with that. So I mean, it's just no contest for me. Yeah, and we watched Blade quite a bit growing quite up. Quite a bit, all the time. New. Um, I can't really speak. My I've only seen Spawn like one time. But for, you know, if you're talking about the Blades or the Hancocks of the world, those are, I feel like those are just characters that just happen to have been black. Like, yeah. I, I, you can reach this into Falcon with the Marvel comics if you want to. Would anybody have, like, batted an eye or blinked if, like, Anthony Mackie wasn't Anthony Mackie, but instead he was, like, Miles Teller? Or just instead of Wesley Snipes during that time, if it was just like, I'm trying to think of another, like Paul Walker, like being yeah. Blade. I don't think anybody would have realized unless they like read the source material because those movies weren't specifically geared towards a 
a culture basically that they're just roles that happen to have been black so no blade was not enough it was great but it wasn't enough to end another point it wasn't our generation (laughs) that was i mean we've seen blade but how when was the last time we really sat down and watched blade like i mean that was early 2000s and when is the last blade came out when did Spawn come out? <laughs> I mean, we were we were like five, six when those movies came out. So before Wesley Snipes went to jail for tax fraud, for sure. <laughs> like that was definitely a thing that happened. Um, but yeah, it's it's just one of those things, man. It's like just let us have something, you know. Let people of color get get a little taste, just like how I mean, my my two favorite movies in the past year. Of three, if you're not, if you're um, counting everything besides superhero movies, but I'm just talking two favorite superhero movies, was Wonder Woman and Black Panther. And I was like, you know what? Yes, I want to see a female helmed movie. I've been saying for years now that just give people a Black Widow movie, like with Scarlett Johansson. You know how many people would watch that? Right. Like at, at Marvel, I mean, props to them. They did the damn thing. They let Ryan Coogler produce a, or put out a good movie, but at the same time, this was a. They had years to get this done. Like their their predominant cast for the Avengers is a bunch of white guys and Samuel L. Jackson, who's there. He shows up. He puts the team together, but I mean, he's mostly a stealth figure in the whole thing. Right. Right, and he has an intimidation factor to him too. <laughs> it's like the like the evil. I'm evil. I don't think Shaft counts as a superhero movie either. No. Let's cool it on Shaft being a superhero <laughs> movie. What? He can be a superhero if he wants to. I mean, he, <laughs> maybe. That's more of like a, a cop movie to me. I guess, that's, yeah. It's like a a black Jason Bourne. <laughs> yeah, true. True. That's like the... um. What's that movie where... It's Denzel, and he's babysitting that little girl. And then he chases those guys down. She gets taken. You know what I'm talking about? I think it's the rundown. Not the rundown, because oh. that was the rock. Is it Man of Fire? Or yes. Man on Fire? Yes, yes. Yeah. I, I, could, I, I mean, that's that's a level of superheroes. <laughs> Yo, you know I can't wait for? And I hope they're doing this. A second Equalizer movie. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. So good. You got... I mean, modern times, I'm going John Wick and whatever Denzel's character was in The Equalizer. I want those two on my team. True, true. Or or you could go with the classic. Um, what's the British actor? The um, oh, He's always in those, oh, the those delivery movies. movies. No, those delivery movies where he has to transport it. Oh, what is that actor. Yep. Jason Statham. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Him out of retirement. <laughs> Jason Statham. Well, we got to look forward to that Rock Jason Statham Fast and Furious spinoff. There we go. I'm gonna be first in line for that. I'm gonna go to the Midnight Show. <laughs> right. Might as well. <laughs> um, but yeah. Oh, that actually reminds me. I always tell people who, whenever like the topic of like James Bond comes up, I was I always tell people I'm like, you know what? Me and my brother grew up on Bourne, like Jason Bourne in that <laughs> yeah. series. So I'm like, we didn't really watch James Bond. I don't know how many there are. There's a lot, but I'm like, now nah, we were we were born kids. <laughs> yeah, we were. Da- Bourne was just way more action packed, way more just 
crazy all around. I think the camera angles too is what really draw like drew us in kind of because it's like a amateur film almost. Yeah, he was always doing something crazy on like a motorcycle mm-hmm. or a car <laughs> or yeah, I don't know. But where does this uh, where does this movie rank as far as I think superhero films is maybe a little broad. But where does it rank among the best in the MCU for you so far? Oh, that's a great question. That is a great question. Um, well, obviously, I would say number one, because it was the best. But there are so many, so many that I could choose from. Oh, my gosh. I need to... I need to... <laughs> look over a few because i know i know a few right off the top of my head um just with the iron man um just with those one two i don't not as much three but like one and two were pretty good um yeah three was uh, i would have to say though logan was a great movie logan was really good (laughs) it's up for the Oscar this year for best adapted screenplay. So that's how you you know you got a good film on your hands. Um spoilers, I have Black Panther as the number one Marvel movie. <laughs> but as f- far as like the rest, if I was gonna make a top three or five, I would go because uh, originally my number one before this was Captain America Winter Soldier, and then probably Iron Man for nostalgia's sake. And then maybe like Avengers, um, Guardians of the Galaxy. I like the original one, but or the first one, I should say, not the original. But the the thing that I always I've, I've said this on this podcast a few times. My general rule of thumb that I know it's a good superhero movie is if I completely forget that I'm watching a superhero movie, and you have films like Logan. Uh, Wonder Woman, Black Panther, um, even Guardians of the Galaxy is more of like a, a space comedy than anything. You just you get lost and you forget that you're actually watching a superhero movie like Black Panther. Literally, because part of this has to do is because they let it be its own thing and not have other Marvel superheroes like invade the screen and like steal scenes from uh, Chadwick Boseman, but. Really, it just it just felt like a a story about a secession plan for the king gone awry, and you know you you lose your throne, you had to get it back. It's almost like a little bit Lion King like, <laughs> right. where, where Killmonger would be Scar, and then Chadwick Boseman's Simba's got to come back and take the throne. <laughs> um, that that's that's what it felt like to me. It felt like more like a a royal royalty drama than anything. Right, very, very true. I but I do like the fact that he did lose and then came back and I mean I like the effect that they got the seed too right before he burned it and then it was just that whole kind of oh my god, we're never gonna have another Black Panther and then he comes out of nowhere like oh <laughs> Yeah, that's that's a good point. Let's jump right to the the next uh the next question that I wanted to ask. Hashtag transitioning right now. Um Hashtag. What do we expect from Black Panther 2? Because 
man, there's got to be a Black Panther too. They there's too much money coming in to the MCU as a whole, and it's got a lot of cultural connotations now. So, what do we expect from the next one? Um, what to expect? I would expect um, definitely a little bit more explosions because Marvel tends to do that for their second movies. <laughs> it's kind of That's annoying, <laughs> but um, I would expect a little bit along the lines of making everything more unified in a sense, even with race. Um, because as you've seen in the last scenes after the credits or kind of midway through the credits, he was saying how you'd um, spread out the vibranium and like continue to give the resources. Yeah. But it's almost ironic because the same resources that are like, so quote unquote, precious diamonds, gold, are taken from that country each year illegally, <laughs> cobalt, yeah. stuff like that. So, I mean, it's just ironic how that um, kind of plays into effect. So I think um, it will see a lot of, I guess, optimism with it, um, just because we're going to move on to a period where Black Panther is going to be recognized as a positive figure and not so much a negative figure. Um, so I think it'll be good. Yeah, I think with the the resources being spread out, whether that's knowledge or if they actually are willing to start a vibranium trade, because I think Tony Stark would want to hop in and tell him, like, hey, if you give away something precious, and Tony Stark was selling, like, weapons and missiles and all that, some of it's going to end up in the wrong hands. So I think, like... Stark should ask T'Challa, like, is that something that you're going to want to, or is that something that you're prepared for? And isn't that the power that's in um, Iron Man's chest and that the uh, Russian guy had? Or was that something else? I remember something with the... Uh, uh, Captain America's shield is made out of vibranium. Um, but what was the power source that they used... Oh, that was an arc reactor. So that was like Stark technology by itself. I don't think that had anything to do with vibranium or anything. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Hashtag sorry. It's all good. We might see, because, uh, you know, Winter Soldier didn't have an arm. His, his metal arm might be a new vibranium one. So that might be something cool to look forward to. But, um, yeah, like I said, I think they're going to, they're going to deal with some complicated issues like diplomatic issues for the backlash of that. Um, now that everybody knows that they have this super valuable resource and like Wakanda is dunking on everybody in the technology game. Um, I mean, Tony Stark's got all his cool stuff, but they haven't really shown that to the expanded universe. I would like in black Panther two even though I mentioned a bunch of diplomatic stuff, I'd like to explore Wakanda itself a little bit more. Um, I think well, Ryan Coogler is going to get the first dibs basically on directing a second one. At least I hope he does. It would be the smartest move in the world, but what he does best in his movies, whether that's Fruitvale station with Oakland or Creed, with philadelphia he's really good at building an environment that feels lived in and like really authentic to the people that live there not just the character itself 
And I think, I mean, maybe there's some extra footage that got cut, but I feel like we just didn't get, or maybe I'm just thirsty for more Wakanda, like <laughs> Wakanda forever, man. I wanted to see a little bit more. I wanted to interact with the people and see how they were living in those big towers with like huts built off to the side. I thought that was cool. Right. And I think they should have left it to the four hour cut because <laughs> I feel like we would have divulged a little bit into Wakanda in that way. But I, I feel like they did have to shorten it just to, I mean, attract other viewers. <laughs> yeah. I, if it would have been four hours, I don't think I would have even noticed. I would have gotten out of the theater like, Whew, it is two thirty in the morning. What, <laughs> what happened here? Um, <laughs> But yeah, that's that's something that I'm excited to see. And it's kind of it's hard to make real heart solid guesses from Black Panther 2 based on the first Black Panther, because as we can see in like the Avengers Infinity War trailers, there's Wakandan warriors. My guess is because they just have the technology to battle Thanos's minions, whatever the hell they're going to be. So there could be some issues in Wakanda, you know, they might have to rebuild in some way. So it's like hard to make concrete guesses, you know? Right. Right. Um, but what do we think of? So my, one of my favorite characters, there are so many, I've got like five from this movie, Michael B. Jordan's Killmonger. What do we think about him and how he kind of represents some frustrations of today's modern world? Early Malcolm X. That is a lot of a comparison just because of the pain that he felt. Um, he felt obviously betrayed by society as a whole because he felt like his society was Wakanda and that's what his father was teaching him. Um, almost like how he said as a kid when he was going over that transition to be the Black Panther and he met his father in the same house that he found him dead. Um, and he was just like, isn't it a beautiful place and blah, blah, blah. And then he started to cry and like say all the emotion and stuff like that. Um, I just think he was a bottled up American, African-American person. And I feel like that's a lot that we deal with on a day-to-day basis um just even with the mental health factor um with all of the hate with all of the frustration you see obviously um that a lot of us have different ways of dealing with that and when when hate one of his ways of dealing with it obviously you can see with all of the slashes on his body was violence um Mm -hmm. so i just think it was very very powerful um to have somebody like Michael B. Jordan playing that just because he's played Creed. He's been play or he was in Fruitvale station. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, he played, um, these certain figures in the black community that seem to stand out the most and seem to be prevalent always, um, in society. So just, it was just an amazing, an amazing, um, part by Michael B. Jordan to play Killmonger. See, I, I think it's a little bit of the opposite of Malcolm X in that Malcolm was, I mean, obviously he just felt the hate and rejection from American society, which was predominantly white America. But at the same time, then I thought Killmonger was carrying this weight of rejection from his own people the entire time. 
like mm-hmm. growing up because i mean I, I think maybe he he felt like his father was exiled a little bit even though he was technically there on a mission um because he he wasn't taken to wakanda and then he was left there as a child um rather than taken back to his home country like t'challa he goes to the astral plane and he serves up this tea to his dad who is sitting there like why didn't you take him back he's wakandan he like he's part of the royal family basically he belongs here and killmonger says it himself he's like i've been waiting my whole life for this and he's literally been training and obsessed with getting to wakanda this place he knows exists and essentially hostile takeover like he he felt betrayed by the people there and i think a lot of that too has to tie into with what he was saying about how like other disenfranchised black people around the world were not being helped by this like super advanced nation. Like if you have the means, that's the whole question of the movie. If you have the means, do you, do you reach out and help and put the people in that, at that, in that country at risk? Or do you just protect the people that you're technically responsible for, you know, your own Wakandan people. Right. Right. But yeah, I mean, I liked his character. I'm, Spoiler alert, I'm sorry, I want to say this again. <laughs> he doesn't make it to the end of the movie because, of course, he uh, he loses in battle to T'Challa. But I wanted him to survive and maybe just become this, like, reckoning force because that's something that Marvel movies don't do well. They don't do good villains. And Eric Killmonger was... Just top breed, I think. I thought he was the best of all of them ever. Oh, yeah. I mean, even with emotion, clarity, he was very concise with his actions. It was, it was one of the best. Yeah. And, I mean, it helps that he's, like, one of my two favorite actors right now um, that's, that's on the rise. And he's – I feel like he's going to win an Oscar at some point within the next, like, two to three years with the role. But, um, yeah. You said top three? No, top top two. Top two? <laughs> yeah. I like Michael B. I so for my preparation for the movie, I wanted to watch Civil War just to kind of because that just leads right into Black Panther with uh T'Challa being there and the assassination of his dad. But instead I watched Creed to get a little bit of Ryan Coogler, Michael B. Jordan duo. And I was just still blown away by that movie every single time I watch it. And it's just really great. Right. Right. That combination is lethal. Yeah. Um, What did you think about like how the movie was set up? Because this is a, a standalone superhero movie. And usually with those, you kind of have to get a, like they get a lot of space because they introduce him in civil war instead and you get backstory from him there um like i mean you got the other marvel movies like i mean the first iron man uh 
the first Captain America, Ant-Man. These are all essentially origin stories, like how these people became superheroes. But literally the first time we see T'Challa, he's already putting on the Black Panther mask and jumping out of a plane. So what did you think about like the setup and how they didn't waste time? Um, I definitely like the setup, the introduction. Um, it kind of was surprising to me because I didn't think they were going to start off that fast. I thought it was going to, you know, guide its way in, but sure enough, he goes right into battle and you know why he's called the black Panther right after that. So I think it was a great introduction. Um, I do like how they set it up, how he was, um, almost not even the side kind of just in the distance in civil war, um, just in, with action. I mean, obviously he was hands-on right there trying to get the guy um, that killed his father, but it was just, I just loved the, all the action front and back. as just, just, I mean, like I said before, <laughs> one of the best, definitely. Yeah. I mean, oh, I was fully in, cause I really liked civil war, like the first two thirds of it. And I think for the most part, that's because it had to do with the introduction of Black Panther and like mm-hmm. the uh, not highway chase scene, but the street chase scene. When you see like uh, Winter Soldier hop on a motorcycle and then you just see Black Panther literally sprinting <laughs> down the tunnel, like moving faster than cars. I was like, oh, my God. God, give me a movie right now with just Chadwick Boseman as the Black Panther. I thought that was so cool. I was blown away. Right, right. No, I definitely was. But, yeah, you definitely see what he can do in that movie. <laughs> definitely. I mean, I just it's just overall very, 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 very good by Marvel to do this, to have him have a singular movie and to have it come out in February and to market it like they did. It's just hats off. Yeah, I think they they do a good job, too, of just more recently than earlier. Um, Because I'm I'm nerdy and I follow, like, directorial news. And one of the things I feel like they've been doing lately is just giving, like, a... Just giving a director, like, a little bit more free range and like putting together the movie that he wants, as long as there's like some aspect of it that fits into the Marvel cinematic universe, whether that be a tie in scene at the end or like a, a name drop somewhere in the entire movie. But like uh, with Thor Ragnarok, like people love that movie. I, I wasn't all the way in on it, but with um, their director, Taika uh, Waikiki, Waititi, Taika, whatever um he he turned basically the thor movies into just like this separate comedic run you know like the first two are completely different tonally than that one um james gunn who's directing the guardians of the galaxy movies like they they discovered that they're able to do that i feel like with that movie specifically the first guardians because guardians of the galaxy like did anybody really know what that group of characters was or that comic book no so they're just like okay james gunn here you go you have chris pratt who's a funny man just run with it you know do do something different and outside of the box and now i think that's giving actors like 
or actors, directors, like free range to just start putting together the movies that they want. Right. And that definitely helps the industry as a whole, because if you trend towards individual directors, then you get a more diverse selection instead of having it be one Marvel movie, two Marvel movie, three Marvel movie. It's now Black Panther, Guardians of the Galaxy, you know? Yeah. And the thing is, like, they're helping these act- or these directors become a little bit more well-known. And Ryan Coogler, I said before, he's going to get the first crack at Black Panther 2. But right now, he might have first crack at any movie he wants, like, in the entire world. He's going to be on the short list. Um, you know what? I It's a damn shame. I think um, Star Wars acted a little bit too quickly with uh, naming directors for all their series, because I'm like, man, if Ryan Coogler got a chance to world build in Star Wars, like we would be looking at some pretty insane stuff. Um, when the Han Solo movie, when they fired their two directors, um, I'm blanking on their names, but they brought in Ron Howard. I think somebody on Twitter posted a question like, who should come in and direct the Han Solo movie? And I'm like, Ryan Coogler, man. Like, just give him another movie. He's 31 years old, but he's doing big things. Right, right, in his prime. Yes, exactly. <laughs> we got prime Ryan Coogler. His prime's going to last for, like, 15 years at least. At um, least. Who was your... Oh, let's actually... Let me jump to this question. So, which actor... And we do this for all of our other movie reviews. Which actor wins the award for the Ike Barinholtz Underutilization Award? Um, in other words, who was really great in the movie, but you were just like really hungry to get more of that person in the movie? I know a lot of people actually did get their own individual times to shine, but who to you uh, do you feel like needs to get a little bit more, a little bit more minutes, a little bit more sure. tick? I would have to say Shuri. Just because, like, she just added an aspect of just not only comedic lines, but um, just the kind of sarcasm that you needed um, at points. And, like, she, she was the sister of the king. So, I mean, just overall. I mean, she was still very prevalent within the film. Very, very mm-hmm. prevalent. But just a little bit more. Just a tiny bit more. Yeah, I will absolutely not say no to more of um Letitia Wright who plays Shuri I thought she was fantastic like she was uh she was a great part like she was wholesome and smart and on top of that very beautiful too and I was just like yes like give me more Shuri for sure um what'd you think my I think my Ike Barinholtz winner This one's tough because I would have loved to see more of everybody, but I think we should have seen more of my my guy, Daniel Kaluuya, who played uh, Wakabi. Uh, (laughs) T'Challa's friend and buddy slash rhino trainer slash uh, Okoye boyfriend. Um, uh, For those who don't know uh, Daniel Kaluuya by name, you will pretty am soon because he was the star of um, Mike or Jordan Peele's great get out film. And he was really good in this movie. And I just wanted a little bit more like, 
I wanted a little bit more bro time with him and T'Challa. Like, why are these two people friends? Or why would, or like maybe a scene where T'Challa is like leaning a little bit more on Wakabi? Because I think that would have, like, towards the end, made Wakabi's support and turn to um, helping Killmonger um, state his you know rightful place to challenge the throne i thought that would have been a little bit more impactful um and maybe give us a give us a scene with um him and okoye too um because i mean they speak to each other they call each other my love in a hologram and then <laughs> the next time they meet they're like she's literally pointing a spear at his face so right. <laughs> it's like do these People, it would have made her line more impactful too about how she would absolutely strike him down for Wakanda. So, mm-hmm. and I think the rhinos were serious, definitely. Yeah, I would not want to be in front of one of those. See, I could <laughs> tell were the rhinos like real rhinos that were actually trained in some way, or were they just like robots of some kind? I don't, I feel like they're yeah. real. I I don't think they're real. <laughs> I just don't, just because of the size and the speed that they're going. And I well, mean, they could have. Okoye but. got the, the, she stepped in front of one and then like it stopped and licked her face. Like it exhibited an emotional response. So I feel like if that was a robot, unless it's super freaky advanced um, AI that they're putting in uh, trained animal <laughs> robots and, <laughs> I don't know. That's what I thought. I was confused. <laughs> right. Um, before we move to MVP, this actually brings me to my next point that I wanted to talk about. So this movie was a perfect movie. I loved this movie so much. I can't say anything wrong about it. But was there anything besides the actor that you want to see more of? Was there anything in the movie that you might have tweaked or adjusted a little bit? like anything that just didn't sell you at all honestly i think they should have intertwined big shot a little bit more just because i'm a little biased towards the soundtrack part of things um yeah i wish that i wish they would have incorporated a little bit more with the soundtrack just because it was one of the best soundtracks i have ever heard for a film um if you haven't heard it black panther kendrick lamar um, definitely, definitely great. And I think the scene where he comes out of the car, they should have played Big Shot because if you like look at the undertones of Big Shot and that what it actually means and Rap Genius, it's actually quite hilarious. Um, mm-hmm. so if you have time, whatever, just go ahead and pop over there. But um, yeah, I just I just thought they should have played more of a song that was out of the soundtrack because in the scene he comes out of the cars and he's looking like big and tough and he's walking into the place. Um. And I just think that would have been a perfect moment to play that song. But then they played the um, the weekend song with Kendrick Lamar in the club, so I was okay with that. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. So um, I'm a for those of you who listen to the podcast regularly, you might know that I'm a little bit of a, a nerd for the score. Um, so Ludwig Gorenson was the one who uh, scored this movie uh, with like the. Not not necessarily soundtrack songs, but with uh, like, like 
Killmonger having a theme and uh, like the Black Panther theme. So there was like I liked how Killmonger's like theme and his score whenever he showed up. The music it, it got a little bit more hood for him. Like I was like, oh, you know, it's about to be a Killmonger scene. He's about to say something cool. I I like that part. But yeah, you're right. I wish they would have had just a teensy bit more like uh, songs from like the Kendrick Lamar Black Panther inspired album. There's a lot of I've been listening to that nonstop lately. There's a lot of hot tracks on it. Right, right, right. Definitely. Um, I, I think my only nitpick, and this this is just something really small and tiny, but I thought there was maybe a little bit too much CGI. Um, I thought at sometimes it was a little bit distracting how much there was. Um, I, see, a lot of the stuff they do is like pretty impossible, like the technology and like some of the fight maneuvers, but I thought it would have been cooler because we know Ryan Coogler can shoot a fight scene because he shot the hell out of Creed with all those boxing moves. And I, I just thought it would have been a little bit more grounded if we didn't get as much CGI. It's super small and tiny. It wasn't, it's not a big deal. I feel like I'm apologizing to Ryan Coogler directly for giving him a critique, but and I'm an amateur, but I, I that's just like the tiny, tiniest little thing, just a little bit less of that. No, I totally agree, but then again, it is very, very hard to shoot without CGI with all of that different technology on them. I know they made the suits, but even like the motion and everything like that, um, I don't know. Even with the Rhino, too. Because <laughs> I know, like, an action that was CGI. So, I mean, I agree. I wish they would have went with the actual one, but, you know. Yeah, see, I think that's where I first, like, where it really stood out at one point was when he goes to the um, Wakabi's tribe and, like, there's just this giant-ass CGI Rhino and it's <laughs> super obvious that it's CGI. And I'm like... Mm, well does this rhino need to be here right now like what is the point of this turns out it had a uh use later in the film but at the same time i was just like well okay um let's go to mvp character of the movie so not the person that was the best actor but the character who um was just putting in the best minutes had the highest uh Highest PER, which is really all around MVP, most valuable character to the entire movie. Man, I think that might be a rhetorical question. <laughs> I think we're <laughs> going to have to go with the man himself, Chadwick Boseman, um, the Black Panther. I think just throughout his all his trials and tribulations throughout the movie, all of the emotions he showed throughout, um, definitely was my MVP. Um, I would say even with all of the just... I, I like when actors, you can tell it's genuine, you know? When they, when he was coming out of that trans-like state, and you could see, like, in his face, he was really shook because he actually seen his father. And he was mm-hmm. like, oh, he's alive, and you, like, kind of felt that. And you're like, oh, like, blah, 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 spiritual kind of connection. Um, so even just all the little nuances he has and all the little mannerisms throughout definitely improves it. Yeah, he he just always gives a really good 
performance and i think he's one of the better actors that we have and i think just based on this movie alone and just how massive it is he's going to get a lot more opportunities um t'challa is a great mvp to have uh my thought process so this one was again there are so many great people in this movie uh for one for regular listeners of the pod who was listening to our Star Wars podcast, Lupita Nyong'o is intelligent, Oscar-winning, very beautiful with all of that. And she was always my Ike Barinholtz award winner for the Star Wars movies because she got a character that was like just a CGI character and never enough scenes and i was always super pissed about it so i wanted to give it to lupita but i think i'm just gonna give lupita nyango some props right now because i love her and she needs to have blockbusters like this under her belt she needs to be getting every single role and lead that you can possibly get for a woman at this point it's it's highway robbery um yes you mentioned shuri uh leticia right because i thought she it's not often that you see like the little sister provide some real like comedic relief in movie roles. Usually they're just kind of annoying and <laughs> like just like a gnat that's bothering the older sibling. But at the end of the day, all hail King Killmonger. Oh. <laughs> I'm going with I'm going with Eric Killmonger. So these are my reasons. One, he even though he was cold-blooded and straight-up evil, he achieved his goal of getting to Wakanda. Um, he ended up being king. I, it was maybe for 24 hours. I'm not really sure on the timeline there, but it was a very short amount of time. But he ended up becoming king. And I think what makes him the, the MVP the most is because in an efficient amount of time, he helped your MVP, T'Challa, essentially change his entire like perspective on what it means to be king and what it means to be a leader because he helped him realize that kings are imperfect like you're gonna make some imperfect decisions and at the same time he's like you know what we can be bigger and better than what we already are and without like a super i mean if everything was running smoothly where you know, it's just a movie about T'Challa chasing around Ulysses' claw for stolen vibranium. I don't think he would have had that revelation. So he needed like a real swift throw off a waterfall to get that iron through his head. And that's why I'm going all hail King Killmonger. All hail. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'm... I'm going to see the movie again. I like I don't I don't think I've ever went to a movie theater twice to see a movie, but this one I'm already planning on going again because I just I feel like I have to for the culture. You have, you have to. You definitely have to. 3D. I mean, even give more money to them. <laughs> yeah, and I'm going to I'm going to start just pulling people that I know like, "Oh, you haven't seen Black Panther?" Let's go. Like right? Right now, let's go. I'm, it's going to be like it's my mission in life to get as many people as possible to see Black Panther. Just um, just go on a casual lunch break. Yeah, uh, I don't get that much time. I wish. <laughs> but um yeah, 
much love for Black Panther. Any last thoughts that you have? Anything you want to detail about the movie? Um, I think we detailed it already. It's just definitely the best film. If you haven't seen it yet, go see it. Anybody that's listening that hasn't seen it, definitely you need to see this movie. It is a must-see. Yeah, I agree. It's it's must-see movie. It is one of those that I think it's just going to help reinvigorate the movie industry itself because now with this, with Wonder Woman, with last year's Girls Trip, there are, with Get Out, there are audiences for different people who might not look like Chris Evans or Tom Hanks or Meryl Streep. You know, there are other sections of the populations across the world. Like the worldwide market is huge now and it's, it's a big deal. So I think this just is going to totally reinvigorate and help movie industries realize that you are not going to lose money by having uh, all black movie that doesn't have to do with like slavery or disenfranchisement or historical basketball teams of color. Like there are other things that you can do and there's an audience for it. This proves it. Right. Right. I totally agree. Totally agree. Awesome. Well, we, should be back soon. But if you haven't seen Black Panther, go ahead and see it. Um, we're going to wrap this up right now. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm still blown away. Uh, forgot to give a little mention to Martin Freeman. I thought he was a really good character. Um, or a really good actor in the movie, I should say. He was. But yeah. Shouts out to Forrest Whitaker. Shouts out to Whitaker. <laughs> yeah, we like, need to, no, no, wait, wait. I got to shouts out to Sterling K. Brown. Shouts out to Winston Duke. <laughs> Angela I, I, Bassett. Yeah, yeah, Angela Bassett. We didn't even say that. Oh man, there's a lot. <laughs> I can't see. Like, there's just there's so many levels to this movie that we didn't even like get to all of it. And we were talking about a lot of actors <laughs> throughout the entire pod, which is hilarious, but yeah. Um, go see the movie black Panther. We will be back soon with the pod chat show. I'm Jordan Smith uh, here with my brother, Eli Smith. Oh, do you want to like plug any Twitter handles or social media, anything like that? Um, well, you guys can go follow me on Twitter. That's uh, my bad. <laughs> At Hitman Eli. Yes, I used to play football. So that was my Twitter handle. Need to change it. Um, and my Instagram, Hitman Eli as well. <laughs> um, and look forward to my um, Accessions clothing line coming out soon. Hey, there we go. Yes. Nice. Good plug. <laughs> um Let's do it. Let's wrap this up. Um, thanks for listening again. And remember, the revolution will not be televised.